Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. I think it's going to be a wonderful day, although this morning in the Twin Cities, I did see some of the white falling stuff, which is like, oh, you're kidding me. It's still fall. It's I always say, come on, give me fall at least through mm, Thanksgiving. That's one of the things I hope for anyway, here in the great uh, north, upper north area where it gets so cold for so many months. But I'm not complaining. We've got it remarkably good, and God is always good. I'm at Psalm 19, verse 14. It says, May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It is such an incredible uh, privilege. I don't like using that word too often, but it's so true that I get to stand and sit. And sometimes I stand when I talk, sometimes I sit, but being behind the microphone here where you get a chance to proclaim God's word because we want to uh, proclaim the gospel and have people come to saving faith in Christ that they may know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and then also be discipled in their walk and that they can, uh, through great biblical teaching and good conversation, uh, come to know and deepen their relationship with Jesus. That is why I do what I do. And I don't know if you've ever felt... Um, like you've been misunderstood, I'm sure the answer is yes to everyone listening. Uh, when you were misunderstood, when you said something and what people heard was different, and that caused problems, that's one of the things I often pray about in the radio business, because I pray that what I say and what you hear is pretty much the same thing, because it's uh, oftentimes I'll get emails from uh, listeners, and they're beautiful emails, off the time, oftentimes uh, incredibly beautifully written, and they will ask me, did I really mean that? And so there's always that, that margin of, uh, of what I say and what you hear, and I always want to be biblically sound. I pray that I can always, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart is pleasing in your sight. That's what I, I pray every day. And if you've been misunderstood and you have been, uh, it's really shaken up your world, I would love for you to uh, send me a text and tell me exactly what you did to uh, get that relationship restored. Because it seems that there is more incivility today than there ever has been. And with social media and with the things that you put out uh, and the things that you say in conversation to people, are they hearing your heart? Are they hearing the words of your mouth and the meditations of your heart? Are you using your words to be uplifting and uh, building people up? Because it seems that in the next month, there's going to be a lot of uh, times when the conversation is going to get very challenging because it already is, and there's tension and anxiety. And just despite the fact we're still in a pandemic, as they say, and People are stressed out, and I get that because there's plenty of stress everywhere with everyone I talk to. And I know that listeners of Faith Radio, they come here hoping that there's going to be 
uh, an uplifting message. There's going to be hope because our world needs more hope now than ever before. And there's nothing like the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ to give you encouragement and hope and, uh, and power in your life. You know, Jesus said, I did not give you a, a spirit of timidity and fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. And I know that that is uh, the desire of my heart, and I certainly hope it is the desire of your heart. When I think of, I pray the Psalms and the Proverbs every day, and I, I think of the pleading of the, 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 in Psalms when they cry out to God because there is desperation or there is a, a, a pleading to be heard. And I, I think that represents so many of uh, my friends and people that I have conversation with that they say, yeah, I'm... I'm in a place where I'm I'm crying out desperately to God, and I never think that's a bad thing. I, I think that's a, a wonderful place to be where your dependence is so uh, dedicated and committed uh, to making God be your answer and placing your faith and hope and trust in God and asking God to take your circumstances and make them, uh, design them to be according to His will and not ours, because I think that's where I always go kicking and screaming is I want my will to be done. I want uh, Bill's agenda to see happen, and I always think, oh, Bill, that's so silly. Just give it to the Lord. Ask the Lord to be um, uh, giving you what you need this day. Give us this day our daily bread, and uh, I always think, what can I do to move the ball forward with people in my life uh, conversations I can have, ways in which I can encourage them, ways in which I can drop them uh, a verse, uh, a word of encouragement that says, I care about you, I love you, because w- when you show love to somebody and you just reach out and let them know that you're caring about them and thinking about them, I know what a profound effect that has. Uh, we were talking about that this morning at my Bible study. And I, one of the guys in the study was talking about, you know, how can we be more intentional and more loving? And he was uh, referring to uh, something he read by Dallas Willard. And Dallas Willard's suggestion was, well, why don't you send them a birthday card? Why don't you show that you practically just care about them and love them? And even if you don't agree with them, you are always trying to uh, come to a place in the relationship where you are um, growing and, and finding more common ground and looking for that opportunity to open the door to sharing Christ. I think Billy Graham said so beautifully that imitating Christ is opening the door to friendship. I always think that is uh, one of the strongest um, endorsements uh, because we usually, people usually need to trust a Christian before they're going to trust Christ. And you have to, have to ask yourself, am I going to be that Christian that somebody trust. And they're going to look at me and go, I like this person and I kind of trust them and uh, I'm open to listening to what they say. And I think that's going to be a, a great uh, a great reminder to all of us that we need to just be taking little steps of faith, whatever it is. Maybe it's just getting on the text train today, going through your list of names that you have on your phone and go, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to text some positive words to this friend. Because, you know, it's Friday and you never know what kind of week they've had. And Especially with the the pandemic, we're not meeting together as often as we like. We're not gathering in groups. We're not running into people quite as frequently as we normally do. So we do have to be a little bit more intentional. And when you just reach out, and I had a friend do that to me today. I haven't seen him in about five or six months. And he just sent me a text and goes, hey, I'm thinking about you. And I go, oh, that's just so nice. 
And I'm just reminded how important it is to keep our community strong and to be reaching out in love and in friendship. Um, I think that's important. So uh, I go back to Psalm 19. May May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my Redeemer. I've got the text line open if anybody has a story where you uh, were misunderstood and how you um, made that, um, how you changed the course of that misunderstanding. Because sometimes when you misunderstand people, it draws a little bit of a, um, a, uh, a division between you. And if that division just keeps on drifting, you might lose that relationship altogether. So uh, misunderstandings are usually the beginning of a lot of uh, difficult and painful kind of uh, relationship issues and problems. So uh, if you've been misunderstood and you text me the, the, that whatever happened, I'd love to hear it. I'd love to share uh, with listeners um, how you made that right. So we're going to take a little break and we will be back in just a minute. you're uh, with me today. Got a great uh, show coming up. We're going to have Agent Justin Jepson, uh, one of the guys from the Power Panel, who has never had a solo opportunity to be on the show before. So I thought, let's get to know the Power Panel a little bit better. Pastors Tom Brock and Tom Parrish have all had solo guest appearances on the afternoon show with Bill Arnold. And Peter Kapsner is about as regular as they come. And we are just uh, completing our, our salvation series that we've been doing every Wednesday for about nine or ten weeks. If you've missed any of that, I have to say, those are some fantastic episodes. And our last episode was with Dr. Eric Taunus, and he is from Biola University, and he weighed in on some salvation issues, which you must go hear, because it was really, really good. Peter and I are going to launch into uh, to, uh, next series is on prayer, because if you're like me, and I know I am, I always want to learn more about prayer because I always feel one of the thoughts I have in my head is I have to reboot my prayer life. Uh, there's never a time when I don't have to uh, go deeper into my prayer life. There's, there's never a time when I want more intimacy with God, and that comes through prayer and through studying Scripture, and I want to learn more about prayer, and I have a feeling that's going to be very well received. When I started the Salvation Series, I thought, you know, there's a lot of people that listen to Faith Radio that are already saved, and they love to be encouraged. They love the, the gospel. They love hearing it declared, but they also uh, uh, are probably born again already, and I'm so thrilled for that. And I also just know that everybody out there probably could use some more encouragement when it comes to prayer, because it is the way we have fellowship with God and it seems that there's so many uh, different dimensions to prayer, and as I'm trying to come up with a list of all the things I want to talk about, we are going to learn a lot from Scripture. It's going to teach us a lot, and we're going to, I think, go back to a lot of the same guests we used in our Salvation Series, because they were so amazing. I think we're going to start off uh, with Dr. Randy Newman as early as next week, so we're really looking forward to that. So I am, uh, I'm excited that we are um, uh, forging ahead with prayer, and I'm always open to ideas. If you think of another subject you would like us to dig into, please uh, let us know because we're very, I'm very open to uh, doing 
and digging into any topic in Scripture. I love it, and I hope you do too. So uh, thank you so much for that. Uh, Pastor Justin Jepson is going to be joining the program in just a little bit. But yesterday we chatted uh, during the power panel. We talked a little bit about baptism, and that kind of opened up a, a whole array of emotions for a lot of people. And we always hope, and I always hope that we're understood correctly, that we always go to God's Word, that we always study what the Bible teaches. And I know there's uh, been division on that subject for thousands of years, and I don't, uh, I don't want to say that there is a definitive uh, right way. I believe growing up that I was uh, raised Catholic. I was baptized as an infant. That did not uh, guarantee me anything. To me, it was a dedication of sorts that my parents were saying this, we're dedicating this child to God in the presence of a church. And then when you uh, come to saving faith in Christ, as you can do that adult baptism, that seems to be the the way I understood it. And uh, I have a feeling most of the listeners uh, that listen to Faith Radio probably would agree with that. And if you still want to chime in on that, I'd love to hear from you, 877-933-2484. But I'd also love to hear if you have uh, suffered some misunderstanding, because every uh, every time I talk to somebody, they're, they're usually um, navigating their way through some difficult issue with some person in their life. And I, I get a lot of people that say, what do you think about this uh, situation? And they'll uh, maybe vent a little bit of it privately and confidentially. And I, I always think, well, it always sounds like there maybe there's a little misunderstanding that's going on. It's sometimes hard to be uh, completely open and honest. I think it was yesterday on the program, uh, Rusty George was talking about that extra 10% that people can be about 90% honest, but then he would often say in meetings and staff meetings, so tell me the other 10%. And I thought that was an interesting uh, way to go about it because we always want to not hurt people's feelings and we don't want to do anything that's uh, going to offend people. But so sometimes we, in, in an act to try to be so careful and cautious, we're not entirely truthful. So I thought that was a very interesting point that Rusty made. And we were talking yesterday about Rusty's book, uh, After Amen, Then What?, and uh, that was a fascinating discussion. If you missed any of that, you probably want to go check that out. Again, it dovetails into this whole uh, discussion on prayer that we're going to be having, uh, hopefully starting next week with Dr. Peter Kaffner. We're going to talk about prayer, and there is so many prayers that I have prayed, and I've waited and waited. And you wonder, how is God going to answer this prayer, if at all? You wonder, is it going to be uh, overnight? Is it going to be in a week, in a month, in 20 years? There are certainly prayers that I have been praying for decades, and I know you have too. And you have been praying for a prodigal child or grandchild. You have been asking God to uh, intervene in the life of a person that might be struggling with an addiction. Uh, there has been loved ones that you care so deeply about that have drifted and maybe walked away from their faith and, and you just pray that they'll come back into the fold, and you just ask God that they would come to know, come to their senses, as it talks about uh, in Second Timothy, that they would come to their senses, and also in the, the Luke 15 and the prodigal son, where he came to his senses. I thought that's such a powerful expression, come to the, your senses. So um, that is uh, another topic which I'm excited to talk about. And uh, so let me know if you have any aspects of prayer that you want us to discuss, because I'm going to have access to all these brilliant theologians. People like uh, Ian Paul is invited back. Dr. Randy Newman is invited back. And there's going to be a whole host of uh, really wonderful theologians. 
But we want to make sure we're going to be answering your questions and your thoughts on prayer. So uh, let me know. You can always uh, send them to me at my email address, bill at myfaithradio.com, bill at myfaithradio.com. I think we've got uh, Pastor Justin Jepson uh, coming out of the line here in just a minute. I think he showed up, and uh, we're going to try to get him passionate into the, the show, and we're going to give him uh, a couple of minutes here before the break, and then we're going to spend a little bit of time with him after the break as well. Justin, welcome to the show. Hey, Bill. Great to great to be back. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm sorry I didn't play the agents, uh, your your secret agent theme, but you know what? <laughs> I'm awfully glad you've joined me today. Thank you. Despite the walk-up music, you know, I, anything for you, Bill. So yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> so I, I, you're the one guest from the power panel I've never had on as a solo guest, and I thought, well, hmm, I think yesterday there was some pretty raw emotion because uh, I got a yeah. number of texts and emails from people that were kind of all over the map, and and I was just sharing uh, uh, my thoughts on, on baptism, and I know there's been mm-hmm. a lot of division on that subject for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, God's obviously concerned with, with our heart always. Um, but yeah. so, did you have any thoughts when that thing ended? Did you kick that around at all? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely did. You know, I, and I, I, I definitely it makes sense why there's a lot of raw emotion because I think it's so um, deeply attached to. Um, people's upbringing and the church traditions and the backgrounds that um, really played a, a, an integral role in the way that we've been shaped and formed. And, you know, for me, I think I, I try to, um, you know, really go back to Scripture and, and just say, you know what, what, what truly does baptism mean and what's the significance of that? And, uh, you know, and, and as I was kicking that around, the difficult part about it is that because baptism, um, you know, as a, as a practice has been practiced in, in so many diverse ways throughout the course of the history of Christendom, and, um, and that's hard. And, and, and we'll have well-meaning and well-intentioned Christians, uh, one of whom, you know, those of whom that I are, have, are dear friends of mine that have, mm-hmm. different convic- have different convictions, right? But um, for me, when I just go back to the to the to kind of go back to the basics of what does the Bible reveal to us. And it really, it's that identification. I think it's twofold. It's that identification with Jesus's death and resurrection and Romans six, that we've been baptized into his life, into his death. In other words, our old way of life has been put to death. It's been crucified. uh, It's been nailed to the cross. um, And then the the coming up out of the water, that idea of uh, being resurrected again to new life, where we're being identified with Jesus' death and resurrection. But then secondarily, 1 Corinthians 12 says that we've all been baptized into one body by Mm -hmm. the Spirit. So it's not only our identification with Jesus as an individual, but it's our identification with, with God's family of which there's that that rich history and heritage and and promise um, uh, that we get to partake in, and we actually get to be members of God's household of faith. And so I think as long as we can focus on not just you know how who's right in terms of how we practice uh, baptism, but what's the standard of righteousness, and the righteous are going to live by faith. Scripture says. And so, um, and I think as long as we can agree that it's, you know, baptism itself, in and of itself, doesn't save anyone. Jesus is our Savior. Our hope of salvation, our security of salvation is in, is in Jesus' baptism, ultimately. 
Um, but yeah, we get to be partakers in that. So those are some of the thoughts that I was, you know, kicking around as I talked a little bit with my wife and just some friends. And um, it's it's such a great conversation. Um, but yeah, I think one that needs to be handled with um, a sense of openness and uh, sincerity and uh, and compassion and being willing to to hear different perspectives and say there's still room within the bounds of Scripture and God's kingdom for there to be differing convictions on how baptism is practiced. Well said, Justin. Um, and again, you were describing your upbringing kind of uh, a little bit like Peter, a little bit of a denominational mutt. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. What so, was your, um, where did you start? Um, I, yeah, so again, for listeners, I, I, if I were to patch together all the different, you know, (laughs) denominations, you know, it makes me sound maybe more like a spiritual schizophrenic. I I like to think of myself as a a denominational free agent. Okay. (laughs) You know, I'm a, I'm an evangapticostalic. So, um, (laughs) and uh, I could break that down, but I mean, I I was raised in actually in the Catholic church. Um, I was baptized as an infant, you know, went through, um, you know, confirmation uh, as, as when I was in middle school mm-hmm. and up to high school and was confirmed. But um, I, I really didn't understand what it meant to have a personal saving relationship with Jesus until I was about 12 years old. And um, that began a journey for me of understanding. And I really was starting to take my faith more seriously within the context of the Catholic Church. But then I started going to a different a youth group of a kind of a non-denominational evangelical church. And that's when I really started getting into God's Word and a and being mentored and knowing how to do that. Um, and that was, uh, that led me kind of transitioning out of the Catholic Church into this church, and then led me, ended up going to uh, more of an interdenominational school, Northwestern actually, and as my undergrad, um, where I was kind of part of lots of different local church bodies as I was a college student. Um, but it actually wasn't until, interesting enough, I was actually on staff at a Baptist church as a youth pastor, and I was baptized um, okay, cool. by one of the by one of the pastors, but the, you know, believer's baptism or cradle baptism, whatever phrase you want to put on it. And that was a really um, meaningful uh, experience for me. And one that I think, um, and again, it wasn't, I wasn't saved at that point. It was merely confirming as an outward symbol of an inward spiritual truth, something that I believe God had done through the power of the Holy Spirit um, almost a decade prior. So, mm-hmm. Um, but for me, my conviction as I wanted to be a part of a local church body and do it within the context of the church body as a, as a, my, as a step deeper in my discipleship journey, um, not just do it kind of off to the side somewhere. I wanted to do it in the context of really being integrally part of a local church family. Yeah. Justin, one of the things that is always kind of delighted me is when a person gets baptized, they usually invite several of their siblings or friends. Hey, you should come check this out. I'm getting baptized. And then they they share their profound story of faith. So they're allowing Mm -hmm. their friends and loved ones to hear something uh, pretty meaningful come out of their mouth. And it can be Mm -hmm. a pretty emotional and powerful experience. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, and and actually that was, for me, um, I remember having kind of what I thought was going to be a hard conversation with my parents at the time, um, you know, as they raised me Catholic and saying, hey, I'm actually going to be baptized. And they're still going to a Catholic church. Um, at that time, yeah. and they showed up and were very supportive. I think we probably probably got to take a break. I can we you act- stop me if I need to. No, we actually this on the we other actually side. do, but I'd love to hear more of this on the other side. Justin okay. Jepson is my guest. We're going to be taking a little break. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the show. So glad to have Justin Jepson, Pastor Justin Jepson. He's part of the Power Panel on Thursday Guy Talk, and he's the only guest that has not had the solo appearance on the afternoon show, and here he is now, fully solo. Justin, welcome back. <laughs> Thank you so much again for having me, Bill. It's great to be here. So do you remember the story you were telling prior to the break? Yeah, I was, uh, so I still remember, I mean, the day of my baptism, it was August 17th, um, 2008, and I was on staff at a Baptist church, and I hadn't been baptized as a believer, and always wanted to be um, when I was in college and had a conviction to do so, but I really wanted to be involved um, in an integral way at a church, and uh, I thought, gosh, if I'm on staff at a church, at a Baptist church, I should probably be baptized, but that wasn't really my motivation. It was really, I wanted to, I just saw in the scriptures, I wanted to be obedient to what I saw. Jesus was baptized. I want to be baptized. And, um, and, and I had a conversation with my parents about that as uh, they raised me Catholic and as they were still going to a Catholic church and still very involved there. And I, I was really you know, nervous at first about what they might think about this decision I made to, um, to engage in believers baptism. And, you know, they were, there's a longer history and a context probably with, you know, don't have the time to, for the full story, but the, the short of it is they were, they were supportive. Um, I tried to approach it in just a way, you know, that they, they did what they knew, what they, how, how to do what they, as best they knew how mm-hmm. in the church tradition that we were growing up in and they were being faithful to what they knew. And I, I wanted to on one hand honor them for that, but at the same time say, you know, I really, I really believe and I've seen the scriptures. This is what Jesus was calling me to do as one of his followers. And, they showed up and were there and celebrated with me and along with, um, at the time, my girlfriend, who eventually would become my wife, and they were both there. And um, what was really interesting is in the coming years is that my parents, and I'm not saying that, you know, by saying this, uh, I'm not saying that a, a Catholic cannot be a, a true follower of Christ. And that's absolutely, that, like, you know, they didn't have to leave the Catholic Church, but they ended up leaving the Catholic Church that they were part of um, and actually came to the church that I was on staff at. And, uh, and for my mom, actually, she, she saw what had happened and saw the growth and the change in me and wanted to be a part of, of that at that church that I was serving at. And um, two year, about a, two, a year or two after that, I actually had the privilege of baptizing my own mom oh, wow. on, mo- on Mother's Day. And, um, <laughs> That's pretty spectacular. That was, it was an amazing thing. And then shortly after that, after I got married, um, I actually had the privilege of baptizing my wife. Oh, wow. with my father, along with my father-in-law. And so, um, it, you know, it kind of goes back to, I think, obedience can sometimes be contagious. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and both, what was so interesting to me is both my mom and my wife said, you know, I remember your baptism, and that stuck with me, and that was a, God's been talking to me about that, and I believe that He's leading me to do this as well. Would you, would you baptize me? <laughs> like, I just can't tell you, I mean, the, the honor to get to do something like that, to, be, to get to participate— in God's work in the life of loved ones um, and your family, my own mom and my wife was, um, it was just outstanding. I mean, I still, I'm kind of blown away by it, even as I tell the story all over again. It's a pretty profound story. I mean, I, I love, I, I love that obedience is contagious. What a great expression. Yeah. 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 And it's, you know, and it's, I, I love the, um, I, I mean, even just had, um, you know, I've been, I haven't been a youth pastor now. It was 2013 when I transitioned out of that role. So seven years ago, and I just a couple months ago, I had a student who is now, I mean, I don't know what he said, 25, 26, um, contacted me out of the blue and said that he's, he's never been, he hasn't been baptized and he 
has kind of walked away from the church, walked away from the Lord, and has come back and um, and wants to be baptized and asked if I would be there and be and do that. And so I just, <laughs> it's just incredible, you know. And I think it's and and, and again the, the 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 meaning of it, regardless of one's convictions and how it's practiced. I think the purpose of it is really clear in Scripture, which is, again, I think it's that sign of the new covenant that Jesus established with the shedding of his blood that identifies with his, us with himself, his death on the cross, died to our sin, resurrected to new life, eternal life, that is a kind of quality of life that doesn't just begin when we die, but it begins the moment that we trust him as our Savior, and then it lasts forever, and then it identifies us with our connection to the body of Christ, which is not just a lifelong, but it's an eternal reality. And so um, baptism has such a, such a rich, you know, uh, vivid imagery in, in, in Scripture in terms of the way that it, it symbolizes our union with Christ and our union with His family. Yeah, beautiful moment. So, Justin, what is it like for you when you feel like you're misunderstood and you're now uh, in a relational issue that uh, needs navigating your way through how do you go about when you feel like you've been misunderstood? Mm. Well, I wish I could say I haven't had lots of practice in that, but <laughs> I definitely, I definitely have, and I think that's something that happens very often. Um, and you know, I think unfortunately, the times that I've realized that I've been misunderstood, sometimes I hear third hand, you know, or uh, somebody who misunderstood me will tell somebody else. And that it'll somehow circle back to me, and I usually notice it in you know that person's demeanor, disposition towards me seems to be mm-hmm. a little bit off, but I'm I'm not really sure why. Um, and and for me, um, I, I think sometimes as hard or sometimes even as awkward as it is, um, you know, about really being a peacemaker and really um, uh, lovingly stepping into a, an uncomfortable situation and having a conversation with that person um, and saying, you know, I just. I feel like maybe there has been a misunderstanding of their, you know, and even just asking the question, has it been something that I said or something that I did that has maybe put you off or maybe caused the concern, you know, in you towards me and giving that person an opportunity to speak for themselves for what I've maybe heard off to the side. Um, But then also, you know, sometimes it comes in the form of an email, you know, of something that I said when I was maybe speaking in chapel at Northwestern Mm -hmm. or, a conversation that I had or, you know, whatever else, um, I, I really, I think there's in any conflict there, which, which obviously if there's a misunderstanding, there's usually conflict around, but I think I've really been, I've learned through a lot of trial and error, um, that really conflict is an opportunity for greater, um, intimacy and greater closeness with somebody. And so, um, I want to be able to say, what did you hear me say? And here's what I meant to say, you know, I probably could have said it better, and um, and I think engaging in a conversation with somebody when I when I've been misunderstood, um, I really want to seek first to understand what the other person heard and what they said, rather than making myself understood. So I really want to um, I want to listen more than I'm trying to speak. Essentially, I want to you know be slow to speak uh, and and quick to hear and quick to listen, so that I can really understand where the other person's coming from. And I've found when that's done and that happens and that there's a willingness from the other person who's, who has had the misunderstanding, not only do I, not only do there, there's a peace there and a reconciliation there, but I learn and I grow from that. And mm. so there's usually, you know, 
I, I think there's often a gap between what I intended and what I intended to communicate and what's actually received. And so, um, so I've actually tried to elicit that feedback, you know, um, uh, more proactively. So, you know, sometimes it's if I'm preparing to say something, I'll bounce it off somebody who kind of represents the audience that I would be sharing with. So sometimes I'll do that with a group of students. Of, hey, here's what I'm teaching on. Here's what I'm going to share. Can I just bounce this off of you? And then, and that way, I've gotten some really, really great feedback that's I think saved me probably <laughs> some really hard moments yeah. of misunderstanding. That if I thought, oh yeah, I got this down. I, I know how to say it. They'll get it. No problem. Um, so I think it's uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's been a way the Lord's humbled me uh, for sure. No, uh, Justin, I really appreciate you saying that. That's kind of. Uh giving me a little bit of encouragement today because there there are those opportunities there are those times when you say something and it and it you think did I say that as well as I could have said that and then you you realize that people who are listening in their car and they're driving and they yeah. they're they're listening literally to every word you say which is great um, but then you have to make sure that you are being as clear as you can be and yes when you feel like someone didn't hear it correctly or that someone heard it and you were you were wrong of course i always want to admit that I, that I was wrong i said that incorrectly i want to yes. uh, quickly admit to my mistakes if i make them and i certainly do make them you know anytime yep. you're let loose in front of a microphone for a couple of hours a day and people can sit and listen to every word you say you are gonna you're gonna you're gonna mess up <laughs> oh absolutely and i think what makes it even more difficult you know through the medium of radio is you know there's People can't hear, people can't see body language. You know, it's not just what you say, but how you say it. Um, the, so much of that communication um, through the nonverbals is, is lost. And so, um, you know, and it's even more difficult now when you're in front of an audience or group of people and you can only see the top half of their faces. It makes it a lot more difficult sometimes to, you know, to, to read if someone's tracking with you. But Absolutely, for radio. And, and the, you know, of course, everything's recorded now, so it's there for oh, everyone to see and then to pick apart. But, um, yeah, and, and I think, too, if you're going to be a listener of somebody, um, and I think I'm just mindful of this, and for some reason I'm just prompted to mention this. You know, I'm just thinking of this, this month as Pastoral Appreciation Month. Um, I, I'm hard-pressed to maybe think of any other maybe position of leadership that gets more criticism than than pastors um, and and I and I've learned that it's really hard to be a a, critic, a criticizer and an intercessor at the same time. <laughs> so in other words, if 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 you're listening to Bill, you're listening to to Susie, you're listening to your pastor. Uh, I want to encourage listeners pray for the people that you're listening to um, because it's actually going to posture you, your heart and your ears to listen in a different way. Um, and actually to be a conduit of encouragement. And then when there is criticism, when there is constructive feedback, the way that it's delivered is actually going to be for the benefit and for the edification of the, of the person that you're listening to um, rather than tearing them down. Because I think, I think criticism is one of the most tolerated sins in the body of Christ today. And um, either your criticism is going to crowd out your intercession or your intercession is going to eclipse your criticism. And so um, so, Bill, I pray for you. Um, Thank I pray you. for my pastor. Um, I need prayer. I invite prayer. I unapologetically say, please pray for me. <laughs> yeah. I need it. I, I, I even actually, I texted a couple people be- when you invited me to come on today, and I was like, please pray for me. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. I, I, I need that. I know my yeah. wife's praying for me. Um, I actually texted Peter. He might be listening now. Hi, Peter. He, no, he's I, golfing. He's, he's golfing. He's probably golfing. 
Yeah, yeah. He said he's praying for me. Who knows? We'll, we'll follow up. The Lord knows, but yeah. that's fine. But I at least, you know, I ex- extended the invite at least. But I should say, um, I should say he's out bad golfing, but that's just, uh, <laughs> that's redundant. I call it ball, I call it ball, I call it ball hunting. But I, <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> All right. I love the fact we're talking a little bit about misunderstanding because uh, here's a listener that says, really interesting testimony, but he didn't say when he got saved or at what point he actually got born again. So mm-hmm. here you were sharing a little bit about your testimony, but nobody heard yeah. that point of conversion and when you got born again. So please, please do share that. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Well, um, mine's, I feel like my, my story is a little bit unconventional where, you know, I, I didn't, in, in the sense in that it was, it was kind of a, a couple stage journey. Um, and I, and I, the, the two points that, that I, that the Lord points me back to, um, one, I was, I was 12 years old. Here's the quick kind of rain barrel version of it. Uh, I was 12 years old and I, you know, was going through confirmation classes and my older sister who had gone through confirmation, actually had left the Catholic church, had recently gone to a Billy Graham crusade. And this is back, this was in 1996. I think one of the last times in Minnesota, back in the Metrodome, so it was July of 96. I was 12 years old. It was, uh, and my sister and her friends were having a conversation about the second coming of Christ and the rapture. Well, I was being the annoying tag-along little brother and just kind of run around, hanging out with them. And I kept catching them say this phrase in the midst of their conversation, when Jesus comes back, blah, 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 this is going to happen. When Jesus comes back, they'd say so and so forth. When Jesus comes back, and I, and I finally I realized I'd never heard that before. Um, I, I knew that Jesus had come, um, and I'd learned about that, but I'd never had heard that he was coming back again. And so I stopped them. I interrupted the conversation. I said, hold on a second. I said, Jesus is coming back? And they're like, yeah, you didn't know that? <laughs> I was like, no. And then I had all these questions. Um, and at the time, none of them got answered. I'm like, well, why, when is he coming back? Why is he coming back? And for some reason, I wanted to know where, where in the Bible does it say that? Um, you know, they're saying he's going to come back. There's going to be the voice of an archangel and trumpets and power, you know, coming on the cloud with power and great glory. And I'm like, that sounds cool, but kind of scary at the same time. I was really curious. So I, I didn't know anything. I didn't know four spiritual laws. I didn't know what repentance was. Which, you know, I hardly probably didn't have an understanding of sin. Here's what I knew. I knew that if I didn't know something as important as Jesus coming back to earth, I must not really know who he is. Hmm. So as a 12-year-old boy, I sat on the edge of my bed that July summer evening, and I said a six-word prayer that Jesus heard and answered, and it changed my life. I simply said, Jesus, I want to know you. And that was it. That's all I said. Nothing, no fireworks, no big moment, no big emotional experience. Went to bed, but that was the turning point for me. Um, and I, something changed in me, and, the, and it was... For me, I likened it to when Jesus said to his disciples, come and follow me. Mm -hmm. I don't think they really understood what they were getting themselves into. But there was something so compelling about that moment that they decided to say yes to Jesus. And I had a moment where I said yes to Jesus, even though I I knew so little, but I knew that I didn't know him, and I knew that I wanted to know him. Mm -hmm. And I can only explain that desire as a work of the Holy Spirit, that there's a difference between the redemption that was accomplished on the cross 2,000 years ago and that redemption being applied to a life of an individual, and the Holy Spirit began to apply what Jesus did on the cross and further brought the knowledge very soon afterwards from conversations that the Lord brought into people in my life about you know repentance and forgiveness. And, um, and again, baptism wasn't really a part of that at the time until uh, several years later. 
Um, but that was a moment for me where I, I, I believe Jesus caused me to be born again. Wow. And, um, and so, and that was the journey. There's a several other points along the way that, that connect to that, but that, that was the shifting. That was the turning point. That was the hinge in my life right there that, that, that swung open and, mm. and I started going a completely different direction boy, after the, Jesus. The grace from heaven pouring into this little 12 year old boy sitting on the edge of his bed on a July night. Yeah. That's a beautiful yeah. image. Uh, Justin, let me take a little break. More with Justin Jepson yeah. in just a minute. We'll be right back. I'm getting to know Pastor Justin Jepson a little bit better, and I have a feeling you are as well. He's part of the power panel on Guy Talk, and he's one of those super respectful people that <clears throat> listens first before he speaks, so he doesn't always, he's not always the loudest voice in the panel. But I so uh, appreciate, Justin, your heart for God's Word and your desire to, uh, to let other people know about the glorious graces of uh, God's mercy and uh, forgiveness and love, and you do it so beautifully all the time. You've got such a gift, so thank you for being part of the show every week, because I pay uh, you enough. nothing. <laughs> Your friendship, Bill, that's that's enough payment for me. I No, I, I really, it's an honor. It really is. I really enjoy uh, getting to be a part of what God's doing through Faith Radio. Yeah particularly through the avenue of your show. Well, thanks. Um, now, I just want to do a little bit of more, a little bit more cleanup on the discussion yesterday on the baptism. Another listener said, I was wondering if baptism is a one-and-done type thing, or is it okay to be baptized multiple times? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really great question. You know, and I think it, um, you know, on one hand, I don't think we see a precedent in Scripture that it's supposed to be an ongoing thing. Um, I, I think the way that I understand it, um, when... Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12 that we've all been baptized into one body by mm-hmm. the Spirit. Yes. So I would say that's that's salvation. Um, that's the only time, by the way, baptism and the Spirit are together, you know, in terms of being baptized, you know, a Spirit baptism is that we're baptized into the body of Christ. What I was talking about earlier, that the Holy Spirit is applying what Jesus accomplished on the cross um, uh, through the avenue of our faith by God's grace in our lives. Um, but then it, it usually follows very closely after the fact, after after belief. And I think we see this most clearly in the New Testament. And even as the gospel is going forth and the church was multiplying in the first century, and we see just the, the story in the book of Acts, um, that baptism always followed belief um, in Christ and an expression of faith. And so um, we don't see another you know, aspect of the only time we saw, saw it, I think we see it is in, you know, in, in Acts 19, when Paul talked, encounters some believers there, um, he's, he's in, in, I believe it's in Ephesus, and they don't get baptized, receive the baptism of John, not the baptism of Jesus. And so um, we see there, there's that sense, where there was a baptism of John that was preparatory, ultimately, for the baptism that Jesus was going to bring, um, which really kind of eclipsed the whole purpose of, of John's baptism. And so I would say when, as it pertains to a believer's baptism, um, you know, I, I think I shared a story yesterday, you know, of a, of a student that I had when I was a youth pastor that told me, you know, I just went through the motions. I, I, I really didn't know what I was doing when I was dunked underwater. It was just a ritual, mm-hmm. you know, but now I really, I believe like it's real now. And, and they, and that's really clear. And they wanted to be baptized again. I, I think in those circumstances I chose to, in that moment, you know, in that moment there, 
uh, that to, to do that and to be a part of that. And that was a really meaningful moment um, um, and genuine um, in that in that person's life. But but I do think that um, every time someone kind of comes back after maybe wandering to you know that type of thing that 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 that's that happens and 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 i don't think that merits every time that we kind of fall away or we go through a dry season and then we have kind of a moment of maybe a personal renewal or revival that we have to be baptized again i i liken that when i whenever i get the privilege of being part of baptizing somebody i i make a point to say this is a day as a stake in the ground for you in the moment of your life that when you do fail when you do wander you go back and you remember this public declaration of faith that you made in the presence of God, in the presence of your, of your family in Christ, and, and allow that to be uh, uh, something to renew your mind. And mm-hmm. uh, so, so I don't, yeah, I don't, I think it's essentially supposed to be a one, a one-time thing, but I don't uh, think we can take necessarily a dogmatic stance on it, that if it happens, I don't think, you know, someone's being disobedient and God looks upon that with disfavor or anything like that. All right, Justin, I got time for probably one more little uh, question here. So if you are born again and baptized and you are a new creation in Christ, let's look at 1 John uh, 3, 9. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. Do you see this as a, a positional standing? Because as a saved and redeemed person, we still do sin. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I do think there is um, a difference between our positional standing with Christ and the practical outworking of that. Um, you know, that's what the Bible calls sanctification. So mm-hmm. in other words, that we are born again. But I like to phrase it this way. When we're born again, we need to grow again. <laughs> and um, and that's a process, and uh, a process that will uh, involve us sinning and needing to repent um, and you know, John's very clear about that. If anyone says that you're without sin, you're you're a liar and you're not walking in the truth. But, you know, he says, but if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He also says in First John that, that if anyone who makes a practice of sinning um, is not of God, not been born of God. But then he goes on to make that distinction that if you make a practice of righteousness, then you know that, that you've been born of God. So in, in other words, being born again, doesn't mean that you don't sin, but it means that you actually have the power to not sin. So if, if that makes sense. So in other words, it doesn't mean, um, you know, uh, there's there's a possibility for us to not sin. But um, I think we still will sin as believers. And we see that. I mean, let's I mean, if <laughs> take a look in the mirror. Yeah. yeah. If you're so, dead in your sin because you've not come to saving faith in Christ, uh, sin is not a choice you have. You do it because that's who you are. You do it because that's your nature. You can make so, good moral we, choices, but your nature yep. is that of sin. And once you yep. come to saving faith in Christ, you uh, then have a choice. Um, and so I think there's the positional yeah, standing is you have been broken of that bondage from slavery to sin. And now you yes. have a slavery to righteousness. So yep. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me we can yep. pretty much sit and think, well, what are the choices I could make that would be a step of obedience toward Christ? And what decisions would I make that would be a step of disobedience? I think we can figure that out pretty quick in our head. Yeah, I think so too. And I think it, it pertains to, you know, when, when the Bible talks about us being saved, you know, that there's different kind of dimensions of the past, present, future aspect of that. And I think that we'd have talked about this a little bit on the show before, but 
you know, when we're saved, well, we've, we have been saved from the, from the penalty of sin. In other words, we're justified. We're counted righteous. Um, and then we're also, we engage then into a process of sanctification, meaning that we've been saved from the penalty of sin, justified, but then we're being saved from the power of sin. So we now have power over sin because we have a Savior. And then, but one day we will be glorified when we come back and we will receive a resurrected body um, and Jesus makes all things new. We'll be saved from the very presence of sin. And so there won't even be the possibility for us to be tempted in the new heavens um, and the new earth. Um, so there's a lot more that can be said there, but I think that's what First John's getting at is, is talking about the, the new life. Now that we struggle in sin, we actually have a conviction over sin of the Holy Spirit is convicting us. We actually, we, we repent of, us, of our sin, whereas before we were completely ignorant, and that was just a life that we only knew how to live. But now we have a new way of life, and that takes a whole lifetime <laughs> in yeah. terms of growing. We, we never reach a finish line um, mm-hmm. in, that, in that process of growing in Christ-likeness. Yeah, Justin, I appreciate your wisdom and your counsel and your friendship. Thank you so much for uh, joining me today. I know listeners have loved getting a little bit of extra time with you. Thank you for being part of Guide Talk every week, and uh, it's really been nice to hear your heart today. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity, Bill. It's been an honor and really appreciative of you and all and all of our listeners. Ah, thanks. Have a great weekend with the fam, and I'll see you next week. Sounds great. Thank you, Bill. You too. You bet. Pastor Justin Jepson has been my guest. That wraps up Hour 1. We've got a lot heading in Hour 2. We're going to be joined by my one of my favorite Hebrew scholars, Dr. Rebecca Ree. And then also Dr. Bruce Ashford is going to be talking to us about uh, the election and voting. It's going to be interesting. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.